This is a WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now, your host, Scott Walker. Right now, that time, 8.20, you're listening to WGNS, and we're broadcasting from the Middle Tennessee Electric Studios. Middle Tennessee Electric's community outreach program works with schools, parents, and students, all to provide engaging and unique learning experiences. MTE, serving to make life better since 1936. In studio with us this morning to talk lawns and gardens and to answer any questions you may have, we have Anthony Tuggle, the director of the Agriculture Extension Service, and that's out there at the Lane Agri-Park on John R. Rice Boulevard. How are you this morning? I'm good, Scott. How's it good? Good to be here this on this beautiful, cold, chilly morning. Yeah, it, it was kind of chilly this morning. <laughs> it I, was. I'm ready for warmer weather. We are. We it's coming. I know. Look, look at the forecast this morning. Going to be up in the uh, 70s next week. Even though we're going to to get some rain and snow. I think tomorrow, possibly. Yeah, yeah rain, snow, then uh, temperature in the 70s next week. That's crazy. Yeah, it's kind of Tennessee. I guess Tennessee. You know, if you don't like, you're not happy with the weather today, just wait around a day or so. You'll. Like it maybe for a day or so, and something to change. That's right. <laughs> is it is it the same type of uh, weather kind of up and down in Mississippi as well? Because you're originally from Mississippi. I am originally from Mississippi. Uh, it's uh, about the same, a little bit warmer, bro. We don't get as cold, uh, even though when they have a colder temper, it doesn't last as long. So uh, it's it's kind of not not as long would be a good thing <laughs> <laughs> especially the week we the week we had a few weeks ago yeah no kidding i i don't remember it being down to like negative 7 before i do not either not since uh since i've been in tennessee i've been here what 27 years it's probably the coldest week it, it was I've the first yeah in, in tennessee it, it was crazy and because of that is that going to change anything as far as let's say the number of ticks the number of mosquitoes and of course also our grass our our uh, landscape is it going to hurt that uh for the first part of for us insects it may decrease a little bit typically uh insects have a tendency to do mother nature how to overwinter those uh type of things but uh some insects probably will be uh uh, uh killed off uh minimized some uh i know one of the big thing we're expecting this year actually is cicadas i don't think it's going to unfortunately uh, uh, affect those because um, those are probably our biggest nu- I'm gonna say nuisance this year, but we'll get a lot of calls, and people will be real. They'll be real noticeable. They they sing and make themselves known, so they are very uh, very loud. <laughs> they are very loud. I, I don't know if if you could compare it to like maybe a lawnmower out in the yard, but it to me because it's been a lot of years since we had them. But if I recall, they were about as loud as a lawnmower out there. Yeah, they get to singing and uh, hopping around. They um, they make quite a bit of noise, and uh, they they you know the. At the beginning, the sound is pleasant, I think. You know, it's just a different nature sound, but they have a tendency to uh, <laughs> become a little nuisance. And then, you know, obviously, if you're driving uh, and they splash in your car and, uh, I know. and things of that nature, so you'll have to. Uh, car washers will be pretty busy for sure. Yeah, if you're riding a motorcycle, it's bad <laughs> news right there. Uh, I, we I, know I, people actually eat those things. They eat cicadas? Yes. Yeah, in other right. countries? Not here, right? I think people have tried them here, uh, have eaten them. Uh, I know, Deep fried. I, remember, I just kind of remember that when you mentioned it when they last time we were getting people <laughs> to call about uh, eating cicadas and things. Man, I guess it's a delicacy since they only come out here so often. Yeah, <laughs> every ten years we have a special. I, I can't, I can't imagine eating a cicada. I, I know in a lot of countries. In fact, I've even seen 
pictures like in Taiwan they they deep fry things like uh, what will look like tarantulas. Mm. I, I don't want to eat a spider either. I don't think I want to either. I think it was Mitchell Mote who was saying on the air things like weed eaters that attracts cicadas to come towards you. Oh, really? I didn't know that. So, so don't weed eat all summer. <laughs> and don't cut your grass, right? That's right. Don't cut your grass or anything. Don't weed eat. <laughs> but, well, that's in our show for the day. Then. We have to do nothing this year. That's right. <laughs> it, it's, it's wild, though, how loud they can be. It, and I guess in the beginning when they start coming out, they're not all out yet. I mean, it takes several weeks for you for for them to be in those huge numbers that we see. Yeah, they've emerged over a period of time. They start to a few emerge, and they continue to emerge uh, from the ground. I think we're getting the uh, I can't remember thirteenth or seventeenth year uh, periodic camp. Feel like it's about seventeen. I don't remember exactly which one, uh, but there will all once they really start to emerge, uh, there will be. Um, quite loud according to the decimal but they are very That's noticeable rough. they make they introduce them they announce themselves pretty well they really do so <laughs> these the ones that are coming out are ones that come out every 17 I or think so? these are the 17 year cicada if I'm not mistaken 17 years wow so what are they doing for that 17 year dormant period just resting hibernating <laughs> getting uh, ready i can't wait to bother those humans <laughs> yeah they just live in the ground around the uh, trees and different things of that nature and that would be something uh people think about once they uh once they emerge and basically uh um mate and then they, when they mate, they actually put slits into the trees and that's where we really start noticing uh, well we start noticing from the sound but when we start seeing a lot of flagging on trees. Trees typically, the first, um, say, foot or so of those tree limb typically will break or fall over. And that's what people have start seeing a lot of flagging. We call them flagging because it kind of be time, a green tree will have like a brown leaf, a brown limb or branch on it. So they will actually uh, kind of do that. Then over a period of time, in years, uh, and those eggs kind of, uh, once they have, they, they, go back into the ground and they uh, stay there for their uh, whether it's 10, 13, 17 years depending on which ones you uh, have in your area so they just kind of stay there and, uh, for that period of time then they emerge and 10, 13, 17 years again and <laughs> repeat the cycle but once they uh, put those listen, those trees sometimes we don't see the damage immediately we'll see it over a period of time uh, I mean years later than you may have especially some of the larger limbs and branch small limbs and branch you'll see pretty immediately but some of the larger ones if we have freezes like we did this year those limbs and branches typically be the ones that actually break off uh, pretty easily so so these slits that they cut into trees and tree limbs it, how do they do that is it like I mean because the way I've heard it described it's like almost you take a razor blade and <laughs> cut out a piece of a tree you yeah, know just, Put a nice little slit in there to lay their eggs in there, and then they just move on. It's wild how these insects can do that. I mean, because it's, it's hard to, I mean, if you take your fingernail against a tree limb, to cut it with your fingernail <laughs> would be tough. So how do they do that? I don't know how they do it. They just have that little part of their uh, tail system that the females have that they can actually put those slits in there, and uh, then they um, lay their eggs. I'm, I want to think. They may die after that. I think the male die after they mate, or something. I can't exactly remember 
Exactly, but I do know that they then their eggs hatch and they go back into the ground and for seventeen years. And we see the biggest problem. You know, we think about trees and shrub, but when we think about uh, orchards that have apple pears and all those, and uh, when they put those slits in and then the fruit come on there, those limbs and branches are easily broken off. So people who have fruit trees uh, in their area and those uh, when that happens, you may start seeing uh, those limbs and things break because they have that slit and those fruit have a tendency to weigh it down, and they'll break a lot faster. And we will see some of the uh, traditional ornamental uh, trees and shrubs so if you have a garden could you put some type of net over certain certain tree like fruit trees of some kind could you put a net over them this summer and will they still be okay uh you probably can try but since they are emerging i mean emerging from the ground yeah if you have a net and over them uh, i think they still will kind of make their way in some of those you making net around there'd be a lot especially in front of orchard situation if you got an individual few trees at home, you may be able to get those, some, some netting that may work a little bit uh, to minimize something. But I think overall that you probably won't be, won't be too successful in doing that. Now, are there any predators that eat these cicadas, such as, uh, you know, other than our domesticated dog and stuff? <laughs> are, are there animals that eat these here locally, like, like maybe fox or anything? I'm not aware of uh, any animal that actually eat the cicadas. Uh, in a high enough number to really uh, uh, cause any uh, damage to them because there are so many of them and uh, they are a weird looking little, little bug too. They're kind of scary looking. <laughs> they are. Kind of look like a little alien. It look more dangerous than what they are, yeah. yeah. So if people have to, they haven't never seen one uh, they can Google, Google them, but then a few months from now, they may see them uh, up close and personal. <laughs> yeah, you know, I and I'm, I'm wondering do these cicadas, do they come out in every area of the country that is a great question no they do not actually um we can they can be merged here in rutherford county and the county next to us like uh Wimson or smith county they may not have they may have a different brew of cicada they may have like the 13th or 10 and we may have the 17 so they will emerge but not at the same time i know it was uh maybe a couple of years ago they was emerging somewhere and we were getting a lot of calls because it was on the news and I'm like no we're not getting them it was just that particular area it's just kind of amazing how uh, nature works so if you're you know from some let's say you're from a different country and you moved here to tennessee over the last 10 years or so you're gonna see these cicadas for the first time and you may not have anything like it in your country so it, it could be scary it will it'll be interesting i'm sure we're gonna get a uh see we have so many people moving in i'm not sure we have a lot of people moving in from california and florida i'm not sure if those areas have cicadas but um if not, we will surely get a lot of phone. We're gonna get a lot of phone calls, regardless. Yeah. Uh, I mean, some some of those cicadas when they emerged last time, they were people were just really little kids. <laughs> they weren't around. They weren't homeowners and things of that nature. So we'll uh, or move from different areas. So we'll. Yeah, because almost twenty years ago is when they last came. Is what seventeen years ago? Yeah. Th- that's that's a long time. It is a long time. So these cicadas that are expected to come out this year do, and I'm trying to think back. Do they leave their shell, uh, if you would, all over the place? Are these the ones that do that, where they I, shed their I think their they shell? shed their exoskeleton. Uh, I think we, they do that. I know I've seen some. I'm not sure if they do it in abundance. I can't remember. I should have read about it before I came here today. <laughs> <laughs> and, bre- and brushed up on my uh, cicada knowledge. I wasn't even thinking about them until we got to talking. <laughs> I, I found the uh, cicada recipes online here. It, it says... Uh, chocolate. <laughs> that, that, I can't imagine chocolate cicadas. It says here... 
Uh, people eat them just about everywhere in the world that actually has cicadas, from uh, Mexico to Australia to Thailand. So this is, it says, a, a delicacy and in some areas considered a staple. I, I can't imagine cooking these cicadas, but they, they cook them on the grill often, it looks like. So grilling cicadas, that, that's one of the, uh, the key things that people do, I guess. Wow. I don't want grilled cicadas. I think I'd be on a good diet. It'd be my first opportunity to lose some weight. I wonder if they're good for you. <laughs> you. You get all kinds of calls, like you said, at the extension service. Do you get calls from people saying stuff like, you know, hey, can we eat squirrel? Can we eat possum? Do, do people ask stuff like that? No, I guess the biggest one uh, we get a lot on for is eating. If people are out walking and they come across some different types of mushrooms, and they want to know if these mushrooms are poisonous, can they eat them, and all of that, and they, uh, all of those things. So mushroom will probably be the biggest one I can think of. Even when they come up in their yard, they want to know, um, it, are these mushrooms edible? Yeah. Uh, and the, it, there's a way to determine, but I always recommend people <laughs> no, don't eat them. Cause, eat, uh, eating wild stuff without knowing what will happen is probably not smart. Yeah, but we, that's, that's, I would say that's the number one uh, call we get for is edible things out in the nature now I, I know there's there's some people who go out in different parts of the state different parts of the country and they look for uh, i guess ginseng roots and and they pull them and, and they sell them and i don't know where they sell them but i heard they bring a lot of money i think ginseng i know they're growing uh quite a bit in uh east tennessee up in the mountains in the wood area and the people do harvest those um I, I don't recall getting in the calls, but people actually grow them. I know you can actually grow them. You can buy plants and actually grow them. But um, I don't think ginseng, well, I don't. we don't get the calls. I don't know if it's as popular as it were. Uh, probably 10 or 15 years ago, everybody was ginseng, ginseng, ginseng. So I'm not sure if it's uh, still as popular or people are actually growing it or still using it like they were um, at one time. It was all over the TV. Everything was ginseng at one time. So does it grow wild in some areas? East Tennessee and in those areas, I know it grow wild in a lot of, especially back before I know in the mountain areas. Okay. I'm not sure they grow wild here or not, but in the wooded mountain area, I know they grow uh, pretty wild. Again, Anthony Tuggle with us this morning with the Extension Service, the Agriculture Extension Service here in Murfreesboro on John R. Rice Boulevard. We'll go ahead and take a few questions. And uh, if you do have questions, you can text those to us at 615-893-1450. Again, 615-893-1450. And uh, here's somebody that texted that just confirms even more. People do eat cicadas. <laughs> so, <laughs> obviously, this is uh, well known by a lot of folks. It is. I, it, usually, I said it's come out every so often, so people uh, inquire by eating them occasionally. It, here's a question. It, it asks about hemp and growing hemp in Tennessee. It says, I know there are hemp farms in Tennessee. Is this something that you have to have a special permit in order to grow, or could I legally grow hemp in my backyard? Uh, it is illegal to grow. You have to get a uh, certification from the uh, Tennessee Department of Ag. Uh, you basically have an application process on uh, with them, and there is a uh, fee associated with that uh, application. I'm not sure what that. I, I want to say it's $300, but don't don't quote me on that amount. 
but uh, then you and then they'll give you a certification and you can actually uh, grow uh, grow the hemp after you get the seeds and things of that nature but you have to go through the Tennessee Department of Ag to get a certification to, to uh, grow that product. And I know I saw some legislation that was trying to move through the General Assembly uh, at the start of this year, and it was regarding hemp. And so I think some laws are about to change with hemp. Uh, I don't think they have anything to do with people growing them locally, but I, I do know that I think there's some laws that are about to change. I think um, for the growing the hemp, I think it changed pretty regularly. I mean, I mean, I mean. Uh, because it's a, it was so so new and people are still learning about it and doing different things about it, so I think the laws are kind of evolving to kind of fit those uh, uh, regulations and in the knowledge that people are actually gaining from them. Yeah, I was, and I know the current law it says here uh, on the state's website it, it's I, I guess legalized if you get the proper permit and everything to grow as long as. It contains less than 0.3% THC. I, it, it's wild that farmers can figure out, I, I guess, a, a formula to grow hemp that has a certain amount or under THC. It mostly in the uh, seeds, the type of seeds and the soil that they're growing it in. Um, so basically, you have to buy a, a certain type of seed that typically don't produce that much uh, THC in those. And those seeds can be quite expensive, from what I understand. And but if it's over that, if they find it higher than that, they will actually uh, destroy your whole crop. Yeah, that that would be a dangerous field to get into, then, because I mean, it, I could see where you could accidentally have the wrong the wrong seedlings or one mixed in. It, it could be devastating easily. It can be, and it's so related to uh, plants look so much like marijuana and things of that nature. I think there's some uh, laws or something that deals with transportation that uh, forest moving it and things like that as well. So you have to be kind of careful and, and kind of really uh, research and understand uh, what is required to actually uh, grow. For one, like you said, get a, to grow or get your uh, license permit, certification, whatever the case may be. And then uh, how are you going to uh, use it? I think there, I don't know, there was a processor in our county. I'm not sure if they are still here or not. Uh, and having a process and things of that nature and uh, are you going to sell the buds and things, whatever. So there was all kind of things you need to look into before just actually uh, growing it. How are you going to sell it? How are you going to make money on it and things of that nature. And, you know, there's so many different products now that can be made from hemp. And I'm looking right now at hemp flooring. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it looks pretty good. So they can even make wood flooring made of, of hemp. Yeah, I mean, once you collect the uh, pods off it then the plant itself they have to do something with it so I mean they've been coming up with uh, coloring crowns pencil, I mean, all kind of things flooring uh, or you name it I'm sure they have uh, have a product for it now for the byproduct of utilizing that that's wild and, and of course I know there's also stuff like uh, bamboo flooring and, and things of that nature uh, bamboo is one of those things, though, you probably don't want to grow around <laughs> your farm or your landscaping. It takes over. They can be very aggressive. A lot of the varieties and cultivars can be uh, quite aggressive. They will take over and very difficult to uh, get rid of once you uh, once you get it. And I know people sometimes they, they put like wood in the ground, like wood panels or even aluminum or steel panels in order to have it around where they don't want 
the uh, the bamboo to spread to and i don't know how well that works because are there seeds that come from the bamboo that go and and you know float through the air whenever the, it's windy oh uh they have these they have rhizomes above ground uh kind of, kind of one plant that kind of reminds me of it for the rhizome you think about bermuda you know you <laughs> those runners that goes underground and pop up under or go over thing. I tell people Bermuda can run, jump, and leap over pretty much anything. And those rhizomes from a bamboo uh, that they create can actually kind of uh, do the same thing. So they can actually spread, do, like spread quite well. Now you can see Bermuda rhizomes <laughs> going across concrete. So you know that tells you that, that they are pretty aggressive uh, uh, plant and do a good, really good. But it's a great turf. Don't get me wrong. I, uh, Bermuda and Georgia are two great turf. And, well, and I tell people all the time, they are pretty much, low, they are lower maintenance than tall fescue. Uh, and thinking about those, because you have to mow tall fescue for a longer period of time. It requires more water during the summertime. Uh, but the uh, Bermudans or you will have a, a go dormant in the winter. They come completely brown. Uh, so your mowing period is shorter and it's a little bit easier to control a lot of the weeds uh, in, the, in, in those than some of the uh, tall fescue. Again, Anthony Tuggle with us this morning, and we're talking lawns and gardens. Feel free to text us right now at 615-893-1450. We'll get to this uh, next text real quick, then after that we'll take a break. This next text, it actually talks about turf, but uh, a little differently. It says, I know there's different types of paints and dyes that are now available that you can put on your shrubs and even your grass. Is this good, or will it instantly kill my plants and my front yard i can't imagine i've seen what they're talking about that kind of a spray paint almost that you paint your grass green in different areas if you have a, a maybe a patchy brown spot then you can paint it the same color of green as the rest of your grass but does it kill your grass i'm actually not knowledgeable about those paints I, to, I, to make a, to make a to, to answer that but hey I've seen it. You have you seen what, I'm, what they're talking about here? It, it, well, I, you know, I guess most of I've seen it. Uh, it's actually been on the golf course on the green. Oh yeah, <laughs> that, that, yeah, I could picture that's that been one. the biggest place I've actually seen it. Uh, but it's on those areas where I've seen it, they haven't killed the grass. Um, I guess the grass is still going through its uh, uh, photosynthesis process somehow. Yeah, and I'm sure it's a special paint for it. Uh, but um, I'm not, I really, I'm going to have to research that one. Probably a, a breathable paint of some kind. Yeah. Well, it, well, let's go ahead and tackle this next question real quick before we head to the break, because it has to do with grass as well. It says, uh, my neighbor is putting some type of turf on their backyard. Is this something that's going to instantly cause problems for them? Or is this something that is okay to put on your on your ground? Uh, so I guess that that almost like an astro turf ground covering um i'm not i'm not understanding the question to answer it but if it's an astro turf then they're going to uh really kill it but if they put out a sodded uh grass i don't think it will actually hurt so i'm not sure they put down astro turf or you know you can buy that green indoor outdoor grass carpet type stuff you can actually use so it's not like they may be just taking their grass out and putting that in possibly but um yeah and i guess the question is kind of vague but if you put down a ground covering like that that completely covers the ground obviously you want 
to have whatever's underneath it uh, killed so you, so that it doesn't go through Correct. The, the new turf. Yeah. And I know a lot of that turf, like the one the city uses, there's little pellets underneath it, you know, almost like a, a sand they put down first and then they put the fake grass on top of it. Yeah, but they put the fake grass, I mean, like I said, like, I really can't answer it, but, uh, and I don't know enough about the paints to really answer that, but they use them all the time on sports field. And they take logos and things. I think about UT, they got the whole end zone, checkerboard, oh, yeah. so uh, they haven't killed their grass. Or there's a, I, but I'm not knowledgeable enough about paints. Which <laughs> I, I think there's something that's uh, appealing these days to uh, having less maintenance on something. And when you look at a front yard, a front yard requires a lot of maintenance. you got to, you know, at least mow it every other week at minimum but usually most grass i'd say every week when it's in the growing season oh that's scary me i'm my twice a week <laughs> you mow yours twice a week i like that keep that nice manicured look where it doesn't look like it's been cut so i like i actually how I tall to well i actually have georgia so i actually more uh, pretty low and it's probably soon as it sometimes sometimes it really doesn't need cutting but i'll keep it so it's like a like a golf course look almost Pretty much, yeah. So to get that kind of look and to not hurt it with the mower, do you use a riding mower or a push mower? I pushed it. Push, push mower? But, but uh, you can ride it as well, but I kind of I push it. I just wonder sometimes that extra <laughs> weight of, of the riding mower, does that potentially damage the grass? But at the same time, I see front yards that look like they have a, a, a perfect design in them from a riding, like a zero-turn mower. Yeah, well, you, you do that, but uh, uh, if you're going to have a riding mower, even push mower, one of the bad things about it, if you alternate your cutting patterns, uh, it will, one, help uh, distribute compaction. You roll those same tracks, especially on a riding mower all the time. Then those tire tracks, you have a, a compression, especially because people are watering their yards and especially ones going to do maintenance. There's water if it rains, but they're going to have a, you're going to leave an indention in which it really become compact. But if you, and also, but it helps the grass be more upright and, and grow if you kind of alternate those cutting patterns. Uh, and and right. it looks nice too and, uh, when you alternate it. Yeah, like I'm a checkerboard, different design, so you can really tell. Um, I, you, you, I think, what, do some folks use some type of roller whenever they cut in order to make those, I guess, designs or checkerboards stand out even more? You, yeah, you can. Uh, I know I've seen riding mowers uh, that actually um, have those, actually already on them, that kind of lay those patterns down a little bit. So more, more people see these patterns on, on sports field all the time and they want to kind of in, institute these in their yards and landscape, but they do an excellent job. Um, I've always tried to, to put those designs in my front <laughs> you know but my uh riding lope mower it was one of those cheap you know like a walmart riding mower or something it, it's never accomplished that for me <laughs> and that you made a good point uh the quality of the mower uh also is important and a good sharp blade would help as well so keeping those blades sharp throughout the uh, uh growing season and i'm thinking i'm thinking about growing i'm talking about the turf they pin, pin on the bermuda of georgia they uh, grow uh, quite well. So I actually char- char- my, sharpen my blade like once a month. So I wow. really keep it. I'm one of those kind of OCD grass persons. So I want to keep it well. I, I don't blame you. There's something <laughs> about a, a, a nice front yard. It just looks welcoming when your grass looks good. And it looks good when people come to your house. Oh, your grass look good. When you're out there cutting it, your neighbors always say, oh, man, what are you stopping? That's right. And, and you working in agriculture, it probably look bad <laughs> if you didn't have perfect grass. Well, I guess. You know, they always say the mechanic got the reckless car. The, right. uh, the carpenter don't have the house. So, but, uh, have but, you, 
Go ahead. I'm just, no, I was just saying. So I, I do try to uh, keep a, a, a nice yard. And I'll get and this is good conversation. People come by and visit. How do you or have you seen those uh, almost like robotic mowers that? I don't think they mow huge yards, but you program it just like one of those vacuum cleaners in your house. You program it to mow your front yard. Have you seen those, and, and what kind of work do they do? I actually have a friend of mine uh, purchased one last year. Huh? How did it turn out? He loves it. Uh, but it's, and then I learned more about it from uh, him and then kind of watching it. You put it out, and it cuts. It's only cut for, I'm going to say, 30 minutes. So and then it goes back and charge and come back. And so it's really cutting pretty much 24 hours a day. Wow. You know, you have a small yard, but it pretty much cut in 24 hours a day. They charge and go back and cut continuously. So it's it's appealing to me. (laughs) And there are different levels of them as well. You can buy them. uh, Obviously, the more expensive one is going to do a a lot better job, I'm assuming, than some of the uh, cheaper ones. And and the ones I read about, you you program it to where it pulls out of its own charger on its own and then goes through your yard. And the track that it leaves behind, it looks like it's about, uh, what, 12 inches to 24 inches max wide? So mm-hmm. it, I, I would guess it would take a while for it to mow your whole yard. I talk to Mitchell he, with our demonstration plot. That may be a good. <laughs> It'd be cool to get one. It'd be a good uh, um, put out in some of our demonstration, one of our demonstration areas, and see how how we actually uh, work. Yeah, Come I'd, visit I'd love him to see on it. That. But yeah, I, I have seen it. I uh, learned more about it over the over the past year just because one of my friends got one, and he don't have to cut it. Pretty much nice. Take care of his whole yard. He, but do you lose your patterns? I don't. When I notice his yard, he don't have the. Uh, unique patterns and things like that because it stops and you know goes in those well what about those uh, rechargeable riding mowers i know those are getting a little more popular i just don't know how long they actually last um i'm not sure about the riding mower but i know the uh, uh the push the electric push mowers have done uh, quite well uh i know they maybe have i mean i'm not sure the ones i've seen maybe have an hour Oh, uh, more okay. in time so if a small yard then you kind of charge it but most people I know they have, have I think they have an extra battery they can just change it out and, and kind of keep going nice again with us this morning Anthony Tuggle director of the Agriculture Extension Service here in Rutherford County and they are on John R. Rice Boulevard we'll take more text in just a second you can text us right now though 615-893-1450 if you have a lawn or garden related question for Tuggle just text it in to us Uh, Here's one that was texted to us just a second ago. It says, Mr. Tuggle's accurate. And he said, uh, in fact, people do eat cicadas and they will soon arrive in Tennessee. (laughs) It's always nice when you get confirmation confirmation text messages. (laughs) Anyway, time right now, 8.50. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. WGNS is powered by Middle Tennessee Electric. United Communications, MTE's internet company, is growing fast and will continue to expand on its more than 3,600 root miles of fiber, covering portions of Rutherford and surrounding counties with 99.99% reliability. At Holden Hardware, we carry one of the area's best selection of sleds. We carry the round disc to the 48 and 66 inch plastic toboggans. We also have a few different ones in between. We may even have the old fashioned wood and metal sleds. 
When you are wanting to buy a sled, don't drive all over town. Come by and see us at Holden Hardware on the square. If you see the sleds in the window, we have them waiting for you. But don't wait too long. Get your sled at Holden Hardware on the square. Hi, this is Brandon. I am the drum instructor at Music World Drummer's Den. What Dave and I try to do, because we're drummers, is hands-on experience. We let you come back in the drum room so you can try drums out before you buy them, because online you can't do that. Taking private lessons, we jumpstart you a lot quicker than you can on YouTube. A lot of people try to watch YouTube and take lessons. We're hands-on. Music World and Drummer's Den in Murfreesboro, 2762 South Church Street, across from Indian Hills Golf Course. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Restaurants. One of the new menu items that we have added is our Salmon Imperial. Our Salmon Imperial is a fresh cut piece of salmon with shrimp and a crab meat blend. And then we've put our Alfredo sauce on top of it. It's great for a low carb diet that you can get with spinach, but also it just has an amazing flavor with a mixture of all those flavors between the shrimp, Alfredo, and then our salmon. Please have your family join our family for lunch or dinner seven days a week at Demas's. Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Come see us for all your clothing, gift, pets, any needs that you have for your lawn or garden, and also don't forget anything you need for your farm. Please come visit us at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Where are you located? 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off of South Church. Do you have to be a member to shop here? You don't have to be a member with us to shop. The Co-op Farm and Home Center on Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off South Church. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. WGNS Murfreesboro, the Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Time right now, 8.53. Anthony Tuggle on the air with us this morning, Director of the Agriculture Extension Service. And uh, Anthony, we had another text asking if there's anything we can do to keep these cicadas out of our yard or once they're in our yard, how do we get rid of them? Well, I know we've tried in the past uh, putting down a, uh, especially around trees, large trees especially, just putting down an insecticide. Uh, I think what month, I can't remember what month they come out, a few months. Uh, I don't think they come out like mid-summer, <clears throat> excuse me. And that and people tried insecticides and things like that as they emerged with that to actually kill them. It didn't show any results. But once they come out and you can actually uh, get use a malathion insecticide or something on them, you can knock, knock them back and uh, with that. But is there? Uh, but usually, it's not. It's so many of them. You don't have to kind of spray. You have to be directly on them. So if you just spraying your trees or yard or something, then it's not going to have any uh, uh, effect on them. Now I know there's there's things you can do to, you know, keep like let's say for example snakes out of your garden. I've heard putting lime down helps. I, d- does that really help? And I wonder if there's anything like that that would keep the cicadas out of your garden. I'm not aware of anything that actually uh, that will 
keep the cicadas uh, at bay or knock them back for sure, except for when they come up, just use an insecticide on them if they're um, and if they're out, they, they don't cause you any harm. They don't bite or do anything. They just can be a nuisance. Uh, especially if you're trying to be out of your yard trying to do something. Yeah. Uh, they may, uh, you know, be flying around a lot, but uh, they can but cause you any harm. I don't, they, they don't, they don't do anything. It's just kind of a nuisance and just make their loud thing. And then there's going to be so many of them around in your neighbors and stuff. It's going to be real difficult to uh, control them. Uh, here's another question totally unrelated and it asks about horse flies. Do horse flies bite because it seems like I have been bitten or what felt like stung by one before? Yes, they do sting. I don't know if it's a sting or a bite, but they, they do. I've been, I've been stung or bit. I think they smell the sting. Uh, yes, they will, uh, sting you quite a bit. And I've been stung a few times in my day, but they're not as bad as yellow jackets. Oh, yeah, yellow jackets hurt. No, are, the yellow jack are they the ones that can uh, build or uh, make a nest in the ground, or are those bees? Which one do yellow jackets are the most common? That I actually I had some in my yard last year. I had to uh, take care of when I was mowing, and luckily, uh, I noticed them before we got stung in, in doing that. But yeah, they can. Um, yeah, if you're if you're mowing. And you and run over, over that, them and they're gonna yellow. come out. All of them gonna come out and kind of get you. You get more than one sting or bite. You know, I, I had that happen to me a number of years ago, and and to this day, I, I never really knew if they were yellow jackets, bees, or wasps, or what they were, because I I literally went as fast as I could on the mower, <laughs> headed straight to the garage, and ran inside. Uh, they didn't follow me in because I was able to outrun these little suckers. <laughs> but they stung me. I bet you like 10 times or more. It it was not comfortable. You know, luckily I kind of keep a can of walls and uh, hornet you got <laughs> aerosol to. spray around the house just in case they pop up or whatever. I mean, they're good for any kind of uh, walls and bees. So I just went and got that can and uh, really drenched that uh Kind of watched and see exactly where they were coming. When they kind of see them when they went in, they actually drenched that uh, whole area first and knock them down and in and put as much as I could in that hole. That, that can be scary for somebody mowing the yard. Yeah, but you get analogs of flock, oh, analogs yeah. of shock or something like that. that can be, if you're allergic be, to bees or yeah, something. Yeah, so um, keep your keep your EpiPen closed and get some uh, wasp uh, aerosol wasp spray. Keep it in your yard. No kidding. It seems like uh, more and more people find themselves allergic to more and more things these days and i don't know what the reason is for that but if you go into anaphylactic shock over a bee sting i, I think i would be uh, a little worried about not only bees but wasp and, and yeah, yellow jackets yeah, i would i would too well while you were talking i was doing some deep research on cicadas over here <laughs> it, it says uh it, it doesn't give any real thoughts or ideas on how to get rid of them but it talks more about the uh, level of noise they make uh, level of decibels they make and man they really do cause a lot of racket they do it says they can go for eight hours at 85 decibels and uh a lot of them go for 15 minutes or longer at 100 decibels that that can be pretty loud after a while it, and i'm trying to remember do they make that buzzing sound at night as well, or is it just during the day? And that's I can't. I, I, I don't remember. I don't remember either. And, and you know, I, I probably didn't pay attention back then because I didn't have that question, but I, <laughs> I do now. <laughs> Anthony Tuggle on the air with us. 
What are you gonna say? Well, I'm saying we gonna find the answer out. Uh, <laughs> we can, we said we'll be some experts for a while, and then we probably forget 17 years later. But we'll definitely, <laughs> yeah, because there's no way we'll remember 17 years later what happened. Okay, uh, time right now, 30 seconds away from nine o'clock, and we'll post this show as a podcast on our website in just a few minutes. If anybody has questions for you off the air, can they just stop by or call the Ag Center? Yeah, they welcome to stop by at Lang Agro Park. Or they can give us a call at uh, 898-7710, or they can uh, sh- uh, send us an email. We answer a lot of questions by email because people can attach pictures to them and things of That's that right. nature. So we do a lot of uh, emails. You can email Justin Mitchell or myself on your horticultural questions, but we'll be glad to try to answer those. And you can bring in soil samples or samples of flowers you pick up to ask what they are, anything like that, too. Just stop by and visit with us. Sounds good. Again, Anthony Tuggle with us this morning from the Agriculture Extension Service on John R. Rice Boulevard. Stay with us because we do have local news next with WGNS's Ron Jordan.